The key here is the word close in the FFCRA. So under the EFMLA uh, parameters, you are only eligible for EFMLA if your child's school or daycare is closed. So in this situation, the school is not closed. The school is open and available for Amy to go to school. It's just that Allison is making the choice to keep her out of school. You're listening to Legal Skinny Podcast with Trisha Burita. I'm a 15-year licensed practicing attorney in the state of Texas. I created Legal Skinny because when I've been invited to do educational seminars on different subjects in employment law, employers and HR professionals would often ask me, where can they find out a little more information on this or a little more information on that? Look, I get it. There's a lot of resources out there, but sometimes it's confusing and people are so busy. Sometimes people have only 30 or 15 or maybe even five minutes in their day to devote to learning something new. On this podcast, you'll hear me have discussions and interviews on topics relevant to employers. Disclaimer though, Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and doesn't create an attorney-client relationship. Also remember, laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. Well, schools across America are opening for fall of 2020. And back in episode 12 of the Legal Skinny podcast, if you remember, my guest Jennifer Corso and I discussed at length the many challenges parents, teachers, students, and the employer face with this reopening. Well, recently, the Department of Labor has chimed in on a couple of the questions Jennifer and I actually brought up back in episode 12. Some of this guidance really focuses in on what the employers are supposed to do in what we call the hybrid question or hybrid model. As you may recall, Jennifer is a licensed practicing attorney in the state of Ohio that represents management in labor and employment law. She's certified by the Ohio State Bar Association as a specialist in labor and employment law. So since my topic is back to school part two, the hybrid questions, I had to call Jennifer so we could chat about the DOL's new guidance and the real further questions that still exist and the challenges for schools and parents that are trickling down to employers. So we had a great chat and I hope you enjoy this update and the episode back to school part two, hybrid questions. Welcome back, Jennifer. Thanks, Tricia. Well, I'm just so excited to have you here for our uh, what we're now going to call our part two back to school series. We couldn't see this coming, could we? No. <laughs> Actually, Jennifer, I really feel like the Department of Labor listened to our first series that we did. Uh, if anyone wants to listen to it, episode 12, we had a lengthy discussion on back to school with questions. And um, I think that's why they answered our questions, don't you think, Jennifer? I think so. I think we should take full credit for the supplements that the Department of Labor issued because they were definitely listening to us saying, gee, maybe Department of Labor should issue some guidance on this. 
Yeah. And we have some more questions for them today. So maybe, maybe we'll just continue to spur this on. We're just trying to help those employers and business owners out there uh, figure this whole thing out. But uh, back to school is just getting started. And, you know, here we are getting a little bit of guidance from the Department of Labor, which is why I, uh, I got you to come back on again so we could, could chat about all of that. And in our last, in episode 12, when we talked about this, I had proposed a scenario uh, and you and I had discussed it and it was this hybrid scenario, which is really kind of what we're going to be talking about today because this is what the Department of Labor did finally give us some guidance on. And the hybrid issue, you know, is this complicated issue of, you know, the virtual versus the in-person school uh, for the children and the employees. Sometimes they get a choice. Sometimes the school's making a choice. And how it kind of all plays out and affecting whether the employer is making decisions about giving leave. And when we talked back in episode 12 on the Legal Skinny podcast, I had proposed this scenario of the hybrid situation that a parent was making a choice. And you and I were both like, we think we know, but <laughs> we would like the DOL to answer this question. <laughs> and, um, and here we are, Jennifer, what happened? You know, I think here's the thing. We looked at it and we weren't the only attorneys wondering about this, but, you know, we looked at the situation and we gave our best common sense answers based on the information that we had. And it turned out to be right because pretty much what we were talking about in episode 12 was the same issues. The Department of Labor came out on, I believe it was August 27th and basically said, hey, we're going to issue three more FAQs, giving guidance as to how to handle these back to school questions, especially for, you know, remote schools and hybrid situations and things of that sort. And they are, they're common sense. Nothing the DOL said in these additional three. And if anybody's counting, it's numbers 98, 99 and 100. So now we're up to 100 Q&As from the Department of Labor on the FFCRA. Crazy. But, you know, anyways, nothing shocked me. It all made perfect sense to me. And I think it's a very common sense application of the law in of itself and their prior guidelines. Yeah, I think so. Let's let's go through them, huh? Okay, yeah. Okay, so I've made a, a, a scenario with real people names for people to kind of imagine this scenario as they're trying to go through it. I think it just makes it a little bit easier. So scenario number one, Jennifer, is, I'm going to call her employee Allison. Uh, you'll notice the ABC very law school this year. <laughs> they always do all the scenarios in law school. And it's very like the names are just ABC. It's not very original, but it makes sense to the lawyers uh, trying to figure it out. But Scenario number one, employee Allison has a child uh, actually named Amy, also with a name. But Allison goes to the employer and states she needs EFMLA under the FFCRA because when they were presented with a choice of virtual or in-person learning from the school district that her child Amy was at, her family chose virtual for Amy because they were afraid that their child Amy and the family might become ill because they had heard about all the people getting sick and quarantining from the schools, which of course is all over the media right now. Uh, and when an employer's looking at that exact situation, which we had kind of talked again about in episode 12, Jennifer, what did the DOL tell us about this one? So pretty much we hit it on the head back in episode 12 on this. The key here is the word close. 
in the FFCRA. So under the EFMLA uh, parameters, you are only eligible for EFMLA if your child's school or daycare is closed. So in this situation, the school is not closed. The school is open and available for Amy to go to school. It's just that Allison is making the choice to keep her out of school. So because it is Allison's choice and not the issue of the school being closed, EFMLA would not be available in this situation for Allison. So she would have to find some other workaround uh, to make it work to have her child at home for remote learning. Right. And, and that's, uh, that's something again, and Jennifer and I are so proud of, but <laughs> we don't know if we really just how the we, we just the luck got to us on that one because the DOL certainly surprised us in 2020 uh, with a number of things. But the uh, in this is the Q and A number 99. If anyone wants to look on the uh, DOL's website, and in this explanation, you know where they talk about exactly what Jennifer just said. If the, if the child is home, not because of his or her school being closed, but because you've chosen for the child to remain home, you're not going to be entitled to the FFCRA paid leave. There's this however that I just wanted to briefly touch on where they say, however, because of COVID-19, if because of COVID-19 your child is under a quarantine order or has been advised by a healthcare provider to self-isolate or self-quarantine, you may be eligible to take paid sick leave to care for him or her. Yeah, I think they should have left that for a separate FAQ. I think they should have just gone all for it and did 101 questions because I don't know why they tacked it onto this. That really is a separate issue because in my mind, if a child is under a quarantine order, this is not EFMLA at that point. This is the EPSL, the emergency paid sick leave that you would be entitled to. And it makes a difference for both the employee and the employer, because for the employee, they only have up to 80 hours, that's if they're a full-time employee, to be used over two weeks, but it's paid at 100% versus the EFMLA, which is a maximum of 12 weeks subject to certain conditions, but it's only paid at two-thirds for the most part. And there's, again, there's exceptions to all that. But so it makes a difference. But if my kid was under quarantine, I would fall under a different section of the FFCRA and it wouldn't be the EFMLA at this point because the school is still open. They're just home because of a direct COVID impact from a health perspective, not because of school being closed. Right. And what Jennifer's saying is that so parts of the FFCRA are paid full and parts of it are paid two thirds. If uh, an employee ends up having to quarantine themselves because their child ends up quarantined because they think COVID is out there, you know, they end up potentially being paid full uh, versus the two thirds. It all depends on the different reasons for what may be the reason that the person is taking the emergency paid sick leave versus you know, the EFMLA, which is just reason number five, which we know is only paid at the two thirds rate. So I think that's a really good point. I, I think that like uh, this could have been, and they do reference you back into FAQ 63. They tack it on there. Like it's a just sort of, we just want to throw this out there, but I kind of see it as a deeper thing. I see the quarantine issue is a major problem with the in, in school learning because I think that the schools are going to be cautious and nervous already because let's face it, there's a lot 
going on here about um, the various different groups out there, whether they're teacher unions, parents, the school districts themselves, the politicians, you know, all these opinions about related about what it's what's safe for the kids, what's safe for everybody else. I think they're going to be cautious. I think they're going to be quarantining people if they if the well, COVID night. And, they and have been already. Yeah. We we saw that a week or two ago when the Georgia school started opening, and with with in what a week or so you had uh, hundreds hundreds of students that were already quarantined. So this is a situation in and of its own. It's already happened. It is happening. They're not closing the entire schools down, but they are telling students you need to go home and quarantine. And I presume it's because they were sitting next to some kid who ended up testing positive um, or in a classroom with a teacher who tested positive or something of the sort. And but it's in theory, they could be quarantined. Children, you and I had talked about this. Children could be quarantined multiple times because they may be what? part of this broader scope of the quarantine. They fit some sort of CDC or the level the school district determined of what they're going to quarantine, whether it's the whole classroom, if there's one positive COVID-19 or it's the whole grade. I mean, we don't know. And uh, each school district will be working on trying to, to make those choices. But, you know, you could see an employee be called to pick up their kid. They bring the kid home. Kid doesn't uh, appear to get COVID symptoms, doesn't test positive. Kid goes back to school. Maybe kid number two uh, is quarantined three weeks later. Parent runs to get that kid. They bring that kid home. Then, then you know, they send that child to school back to school after 14 days. Then quarantine kid number one. You know, I mean, this could be very disruptful, not just for the kid, the, the teachers, the schools, the parents, but the employer who's getting this sort of employee dealing with this situation. Right. And then, okay, let's just throw another wrench in the works. What if the class is quarantined? Let's say the teacher or one of the students ended up with COVID, a positive test. So they quarantine the entire class. Let's say it's 20 kids in the class. Okay. All right. So now we've talked before, that would be more of an EPSL versus an EFMLA situation. But what if they set up remote learning for those 14 days? Are we back to EFMLA as opposed to an EPSL? Why am I home? Am I home because my kid is in quarantine or am I home because the kid is remote learning? You know, so I think a lot of this is going to be very case by case basis. Um, but the employer is going to have to really ask the questions. And this is where the forms come in handy, have forms for EPSL, have forms for EFMLA, because those forms will help walk you through what questions am I asking? What information do I need? What type of pay is this person eligible for? For how long? And do I have the information I need as the employer to get the tax credit? So, I think I think you're right, Jennifer. That's a good, that's a good one. I'm going to put that one up to the <laughs> DOL should answer that one because you know, in that scenario, you got a lot of factors going on there and they lend themselves to both different types of leave. You know, of course, I think EPSL um, is built for that initially with the care for someone who's being quarantined on number four. But I think that like um, once they close the school off to those children, you know, is there, it was it the intention of the FFCRA for, you know, if a child can't get to school and they are remote learning, if the parent should be able to take the leave. And I think you make a good point about that. I don't think that's clear. 
uh, the DOL, if you could just answer that for us and uh, clarify that awful that we would appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, the 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 forms are, I think that if people aren't writing down why people are taking leave at this point, you're, you're so behind the eight ball on this because this is going to get only trickier as we move through and into more schools being opened. Um, I know you were saying, yes, we're far into it. I think, I think we're not far enough quite into it. There's quite a few schools uh, in the area around me where they're still, they, they pushed it. They're still virtual. They're, it's almost like, let's just see how the rest of this, you know, goes with some of these <laughs> other schools across the nation. And then we'll jump in and, you know, here it looks like in the middle of September. And so, uh, and I know there's a lot of different schools that have done that. Of course, we, we aren't California who just called it. They were like, we're not even doing this this fall. We're not, we're just doing virtual, but they've got their own problems with people fighting against, you know, uh, the legal issues of, of whether they should have been able to not even explore that. So let's get into number two. What do you think? Okay. Sounds good. All right. So employee Bob, of course I did B uh, <laughs> and he has a child named Billy with a B. <laughs> so in scenario number two, all right. So employee Bob writes to, writes to the employer, my child Billy school is starting in remote learning for everybody. And they may reevaluate at the end of September to extend or offer an in-person option. I need to go ahead and this is what employee Bob asked the employer, put in my 12 weeks for FFCRA leave now for EFMLA. What does the employer do there? What is the DOL saying that the employer should do? So again, the, the key here is, is the school closed? So this is a simple one. Right now, the school is closed. The only glitch with this request is he's putting in for 12 weeks when the school is only going to be closed for certain to the end of September. So basically, I think that the employee is doing the right thing and saying to the employer now, we're in virtual learning at least till the end of September, but it's a wait and see. So I don't have any answers for you after that. So at this point, the employer should then again get all the information. Because again, for EFMLA, you need the name of the kid, the age of the kid, the name of the school in order to get your tax credit. I mean, that's if, if you're ever audited, you need to present that information. So get all the information. And also Bob has to certify that he is the only person available to care for his child. Um, you know, so he can't have, you know, six adults home at this time for him to get FFCRA. And then he's eligible for the FMLA at least through the end of September. If I were the HR person, I would also ask Bob, I would like to, you know, put something on the calendar for you to check in with me on September 15th to let me know where the school is at, if you know at that time. So I expect you to keep on top of this as the employee, and I expect you to keep me informed when the situation changes. So as of the end of September, he's had, so let's say they started now. So there's four weeks. So he'll have used four weeks of EFMLA. So at the end of September, one of three things is going to happen. Either the school is going to open and the child is going to go to in-school learning, in which case he doesn't need the EFMLA. The school is going to stay closed and the child is going to stay with remote learning, in which case he's going to need to request additional EFMLA. And I would have him recertify because it's a new request. We granted you four weeks. You're now requesting another 
four weeks or eight weeks or whatever it is. Shouldn't, which shouldn't be complicated. They should no, just be saying, yeah, yeah. We're, the school's still continuing to be closed. I'm still the, the sole care provider. Yeah, exactly. And then the third option is, is, well, maybe there's a hybrid, like you said, um, you know, they may extend an in-person option, meaning I've got a choice. And in that case, we go back to what um, Allison's situation is, is if it's a choice, that means the school is open and then EFMLA is no longer available for that employee. Per the DLL. Per the DOL. Q&A so, answer yeah. number 100. <laughs> exactly. So now that's not to say that the employer couldn't do something above and beyond what's required under the FFCRA. An employer could say, you know, I can offer you, um, you know, remote um you know, remote work, which, well, let me back up. First of all, they should be doing that anyways. That's not an above and beyond. So if Bob can work from home at, while at the same time, you know, supervising his child with, you know, remote learning, that's always an option and that should be discussed. And same with Allison's situation. Um, but let's say it's, it's, that's not normally there. Then are there any other options the employer could do? Could they put, Bob on some sort of sabbatical, extended leave of absence, something of that, so that he's not terminated, but he's just on a leave while he's doing this unpaid leave. Or who knows? Maybe they have paid leave time. But that's simply the employer's choice at that point, once we're outside of the FFCRA. Yeah, once the, she's going off on outside the FFCRA. Outside. Okay. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Is if if EFMLA is not available, what I'm saying is it's not the end of the discussion, okay? Because if the employer has something outside of the EFMLA that they can do for this employee, they should explore those options. True. So, um, True. And yeah. Yeah. So. I, I think no. I think that's. I think that's. It's always good. I think certainly in some of the situations and, and things we've talked about here today, it's. Uh, this isn't, unless you plan to let go of all your employees, they, it's very well uh, possible that a lot of them are going to be running out of leave. What are, what are you going to do in those situations? Do you have a right to let them go? Under the law, you may have a right to let them go and not and not preserve and bring back their position if they can't return to work. Is that really what you're going to want to do? Those are things that employers are going to have to look at on an individual basis, just like Jennifer said. I think yeah. that the situation in in Bob's situation is certainly... Um, was something that we could see was probably going to happen once we knew the answer to Allison's question. And the DOL clearly states that in the DOL Q&A back um, on, on the now number 100 that Jennifer's excited. <laughs> we're now into the hundreds with these, with these Q&A clarifications on the FFCRA that, that they, they actually reference back and say, hey, what happens at the end of September is going to be up to what the school decides and what kind of starts happening and having those conversations with the employees on where all this is going um, is something is the only way the employer is going to be able to work through these issues. If you, uh, you know, I know everyone's begging for black and white here. We are just like in a gray, gray world on, uh, you know, fact scenarios, looking at things specifically continued conversations with the employees, you know, not giving them the leave, uh, without really exploring and investigating whether or not they were qualified or not, and all the different scenarios that could possibly make them be qualified. But I, I think that um, 
you know, I think you're right about that, Jennifer, that there's going to be some pieces here where we fall off, certainly as we get through to the end of the year. Um, you know, there's just, there's, there, there's more than the 12 weeks of school. So, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and many of them have already used it. So uh, yeah. let's, let's do scenario three here. Employee okay. Charlie, Charlie with a C. Don't worry. And Charlie has a child. Her name is Crystal with a C. <laughs> so, all right. My child Crystal school is opening up and the schools have created a hybrid model where kids attend in person only on certain days. And then other kids attend on other days. The school is remaining open every day. Crystal's allowed to attend Monday and Wednesday in person, but Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, she's virtual. According to the new schedule, uh, employee Charlie says, I need to take off Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday to watch and assist Crystal. So what did the DOL say about this one? All right. So again, the issue is, is the school closed? And this is where I think we had the most question as to how the DOL would do this. But again, Back in episode 12, I think we guessed this correctly. This is a common sense issue. So even though the school is technically open, as to Crystal on Tuesday, Thursday, and Fridays, that school is closed. She is not allowed to attend school, whereas the year prior, she would have been in five days a week. So that's we go back to the school is closed as far as the DOL is concerned. So therefore, EFMLA would be available on those days. So this falls into what we would call the intermittent EFMLA. So the employee wouldn't be eligible for EFMLA on Mondays and Wednesdays since the child is in school. But on Tuesday, Thursdays, Fridays, the employee would be eligible for that time. Yeah, so that's interesting because uh, when the deal answered this, this was Q&A number 98. And it, it, the plain reading is, let's face it, the school's open here, right, Jennifer? <laughs> it's, it's open, but it's closed as to that kid. So again, yeah. this is where you take the plain reading, but have to add a little bit of common sense to it. <laughs> Heaven forbid lawyers use common sense. <laughs> I know, but they could be, so yes. Okay, so yes, the school, so the school's open, but the school's not open for your kid. <laughs> that's right. what it is. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So yeah. it's I, like I, a quarantine I, question that we answered earlier. It's if, if that kid is told by the school, go home, you have to quarantine, that the school is not open for the kid, for that kid. It is closed. So according that, and that's your argument. We haven't heard that specific scenario. Well, I mean, they that, put I, it in that same question for a reason. So I think that's what they were getting at. Like I said, I think they should have made that part a whole separate question. But since they put it in with question ninety, what was that? Ninety nine. Ninety nine. Um, it was yeah. ninety nine. I'm just going to keep it in the world of question ninety nine. But <laughs> um, but you're right. This is just my opinion. And we are not giving legal advice here. We're just chatting along. We are for just educational purposes. <laughs> we are just chatting along. I th I think that as people see the small language, the small print scrolling at the bottom of their screen. <laughs> yeah. So, the, but the, you're right, though. The, this whole the, the the go pick up the kid. The kid's quarantined. Say the quarantine. The kid doesn't appear to have COVID nineteen, so they're technically quarantined because the school decided that they were exposed to yeah. somebody. Uh, and then, does that only make the EPSL available to them the only two weeks, or, or are they going to get a chance to also get to use that like broader 
now up to an additional 10 weeks EFMLA? I think that's the question. You feel like you, you've you got a good handle on this. I, I'm probably going to eat my words when the DOL clarifies this and we come back for part three on this, Jennifer. But I'm hoping the DOL, I, I, I can't imagine that they're not going to address this quarantine issue one way or another, because I do think these quarantine issues are going to get trickier and trickier. But back on Legal Skinny uh, episode 12, you uh, did the Legal Skinny rundown with me. So I'm not going <laughs> to force you to do that with me again. You <laughs> change all of my answers. <laughs> so, um, and if you did not hear the Legal Skinny rundown with Jennifer, definitely visit uh, episode number 12. Um, but the... But the uh, I have a I do have a bonus uh, legal skinny rundown question for you if you're interested. Oh, that would be fun. Okay. Okay. So, say Hollywood or a snazzy uh, Sundance filmmaker wanted to tell your story. What famous person would you want to portray you in the film? Ooh, that's always a fun one. So a number of years ago, I was stuck going to a Halloween party and I had no costume to do whatsoever. So I pulled on inspiration because I had a number of, of friends who used to tell me that I, I looked like a certain TV star at that point in time. So I dressed in a black pantsuit with a white blouse and I got a little badge that I put on me and I found a little alien doll that I perched on the shoulder of my suit. And I was um, uh, uh, Scully um, from the X-Files. So everybody used to tell me I looked like Julian Anderson. So I would say Jillian Anderson. <laughs> Good choice. I could see that. <laughs> so, and it was fun because I, I put on the little badge. I put, you know, Agent Scully. And everybody's like, oh, my God, that's great. You look like, just like her. And I, I don't think I look just like her. But the hair was some more similar back then. So I'm going to still go with Jillian Anderson. She's much blonder now. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, then I'll stay tuned. I'll watch that film anytime, Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> if I die the tragic yet heroic death. That's right. We'll come back to this legal skinny episode and I'll be like, see, this is too true for traitor in the film. Okay. Uh, and with that. <laughs> With that. Well, anyway, this was really good. I, I'm, I'm glad we got to get back together. Thanks for coming back on again. Thanks so much for having me. This is always a blast. So thanks for joining us. This uh, Legal Skinny episode of Back to School Part 2, The Hybrid Questions. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Legal Skinny Podcast. Do not forget to subscribe to get future podcast episodes. Also, check out LegalSkinny.com to join our newsletter and get details on all the educational resources we offer the employer. Also, disclaimer, remember Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So also remember, this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you.